phase is locked and ready to fire, sir. Illogical. Hello, it's Floyd from Federation Radio, and I'm back. So this is a special, kind of strange little episode that I've been wanting to do for a little while. Basically about what this show is, and what my plans are, and what my personal connection is to Star Trek, and why it is that I even want it to do this. Well, like I said in the first episode, my current goal is to watch all of Star Trek, and do a review of all of it, and go over it all, because I find it all fascinating. Like, I want to watch all the series again, as both an excuse to watch them again, but also to really enjoy them, and maybe get them out there to people who, you know have never seen certain episodes. Even as Star Trek fans, you may not have seen everything. There is hundreds of hours of content. So, you know, someone who may never have watched a particular movie or show or episode that I really like, you know, they may have only seen a few of the movies. They like the universe, but they've never really had the free time or, you know, just effort to get into it. So I might be able to share that with people. So that's what I'm hoping is just to go over it all. But also... For my own personal sake, like, I love Star Trek. I want to watch it all again. But I find it interesting on a personal level about how it changes. Like, currently we're doing the original series, and I'll admit, and I'll admit very openly, the original series is not my favourite. It's not my least favourite anymore. It probably, you know, pre-discovery and, like, the new era of Star Trek, I probably would have said it was my least favourite of the old stuff. But of Star Trek as a whole, you know... I'll say I'm not a huge fan of the new stuff, but they are starting to get an idea about what Star Trek's meant to be. Like, I feel like the new stuff has potential. I think that's what disappoints me most about, like, Discovery and Picard and these shows is the potential is there. There's so much potential. Modern CGI, modern just everything about TV, mate, TV shows, CGI, acting, background effects. Like, the things we can do now are incredible. The potential is there to make the world's best sci-fi series, but they just miss the mark every time. And sometimes it's because politics of the real world are getting thrown in our faces in the show, and I know that's always happened, but it's a little different now. Like, discussing a social issue and giving both sides a fair, you know, hearing and then landing on the side that Starfleet is supposed to go with based on its in-universe rules is something we see a lot of. We'll see a lot of Kirk and Picard and the other captains wrestling with these. Personally, I just want to shoot you, but I am a Federation officer and I have to do this. So it's a it's an easy way to allow very serious topics because there's a lot of episodes about very serious real-life events that happen in Star Trek. And it's a good way to discuss them. Like, Deep Space Nine has a hell of a lot of religion versus science rhetoric. It has a lot of, you know, is it okay to just give your life up to, say, the prophets? Is it okay to just say, oh, let God take the wheel? Or should you say, well, no, God created the universe, so I should use the science he created to get further? Or do you just say, no, there is no God, I'm going to use science to prove that? Everyone, depending where they grew up and who they are and what they believe, will have different um, feelings on what I just said and will relate to different parts of it. And some people, like myself, can probably even relate with multiple parts of it. Like, when I was young, I was pretty anti-religious because I just largely saw religion as boring and just a bunch of old people talking about things that don't matter. As I've gotten older, I've experienced more people have died in my life 
I've seen death. I even worked in a hospital for nine years, so I've seen death personally in the family and friends, and I've seen a lot more of it in workplaces. And I don't know. Being around death does make you question a lot of things. You know, I used to believe that there was no God, and now I'm kind of... I don't know if there is necessarily a God. Like, I'm not a Christian. I'm not a Muslim or anything now. I'm still an atheist, but... I'm open to the possibility that there may actually be some form of intelligence to the universe because a lot of things seem to go that way. There's a lot of things about the universe. Like, I'm not going to go into huge detail about it, but there's a weird experiment I always point to that uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, I think, did that pretty much proved the universe knows if we're watching because the wavelength, the wave bands, or wavelengths, I don't remember what they're exactly called now, but they responded differently when someone was in the room watching them to when it happened outside the room and they just measured the results. When we're not in the room, the universe acts differently. The rules seem to change. And that, to me, almost suggests... Uh, I mean, my personal belief, and it's a bit weird, but I actually think the universe is alive. I don't think there is a god. I don't think there's gods. I don't think there's a Mount Olympus or some council of these godlike beings that are sitting around poking fun at humans. I quite often make jokes that, you know, if there is a god, he's got a lot to answer to me for, and I think he's nothing but a troll. But that's mostly a joke. Like, I actually think there is some form of intelligence. I don't know whether it has much to do with how the universe formed. Perhaps its human perception of time makes our understanding of the universe impossible because we are linear. I don't know. Look, I'm not a scientist. I have certain beliefs. Some things I used to hate, some things I like, and I'll probably in 10 years believe different things. I don't really know. But I'm always open to new things, and I'm always very interested in history and in religion. Not not in the modern sense of, like, I don't want to go to a church and listen to a priest or an imam talk. I, I, I don't care about that sort of thing. I'm not into the regimented, organized stuff, but... I find it interesting because religion plays a big part in a lot of cultures. Like, his, I'm someone who loves history. And anyone who researches history past, you know, 50, 60 years ago, you pretty much need to understand religious beliefs. Because almost every culture and every war that these cultures fought or reasons why they did things came down to their religion and their local beliefs, which largely shaped their cultures. Now, I'm glad religion is not as important in the modern day as it used to be, you know. If your church priest tells you something, it doesn't mean your whole nation is going to jump up and down to make it happen. But you can't, but equally, you can't just ignore them when they say stuff like that. Like, they do influence people. People value this. You don't want to put in question, possibly violently, whether they value you and your beliefs more than their own. You want to try and keep society at a level where people are just genuinely happy. Happy to work together and compromise. Which brings me to the point of Star Trek of like, that's basically what Star Trek is. Is Starfleet and the Federation is meant to be this idealistic future of humanity where we just compromise on everything. It's the ultimate classical liberal society for the most part. It, uh, it tries to allow everyone to have their own belief structures and their own freedoms. Like, you look at Star Trek compared to a lot of other sci-fi and it's very different. Like, Star Wars is a little bit more like that, probably because of the Republic, but in the original series it wasn't. It was a galactic empire. Culture, it changed a little bit locally on the planet, but for the most part every planet was an imperial planet. And if it wasn't an imperial planet, they were depicted as being like on the outskirts. They were hut planets. They were planets where there were crime. 
there was sort of there wasn't this it was very black and white which made it really hard to sort of allow people to have freedom which is why there are rebels whereas in star trek the reason there's no rebellion within the federation or at least sort of isn't i'll get into the marquee later but there's never really been a rebellion and there's never been a federation civil war and to be quite honest i don't think there ever will be because this is not that kind of story they have that classical belief that everyone has a place here we can find a spot for everyone the galaxy's a big place you can have as much or as little support or input into the federation as you like and they do the same which makes you know star trek is a weirdly a lot of people argue that that's very left-wing i don't actually think that's left-wing i think that's centrist I think classical liberalism is centrism, is in the center, and that's where we used to be. It used to be just an understanding of freedom from and for religion. You can believe what you like as long as you don't harm people. Kind of like the Federation. You can believe whatever you like in that universe so long as you don't have certain things. Like, I believe, because in Deep Space Nine there's a whole episode about Bajor brings back the Dajaras, which is basically a caste-based society. And, you know, they point out the Federation will not accept a planet into the Federation if it has a caste-based system or slavery or anything like that. So, the Federation is basically an alliance of democracies or... Not necessarily democracies, but liberal-esque cultures. There are some monarchies and stuff, I think, in the Federation, but they're not allowed to be like everyone else is a peasant. It's just, oh, I'm a king because that's what I used to be. We have starships now. Let's join the Federation. So, you know, Star Trek is an interesting series in that respect in compared to other series. But for me personally, I have a weird history with it. Because I was born, and I'll just say this, I was born in 93. So a large part of Star Trek, like the biggest part of Star Trek's era, like Deep Space Nine, Voyager, the end of TNG, was all sort of happening when I was born. So as I was growing up, I watched a lot of reruns, because it was all on TV, because you know what shows are like in the old days of TV. New show comes out, it's big, and then for like a decade afterwards, you'll get reruns on like a Thursday or Friday night. So for the most part, by the time I was old enough to understand and relate to the world around me, like these shows were ending, the earlier seasons were being rerun. I mainly watched it because, well, for one, I love science fiction. I love fantasy, I love all those stories, so I'm personally always drawn to these things and willing to give them a chance if they're well-written and interesting. I always found Star Trek to be that. I always found it interesting. So I've always been drawn to it. But on top of that, it's my mum's... I don't know if I'd say it's her favourite show of all time. I don't know whether she would say that, but it's up there. She loves it. Especially, like, for her next generation. She grew up in the 80s, so next generation was, you know, the big thing then. So that that's her era. But, like, I grew up watching it, and I grew up watching a lot of it with her. So, like, I quite enjoy it. And then... Weirdly, and this is where it gets interesting for me personally, is like, by the time I was sort of a teenager, like 13, 14-ish, by the time I was getting towards adulthood and I was, you know, because there's a point where you're young where you just watch whatever's on TV when your parents aren't watching, or you just watch whatever your parents are watching with them, because you're too young, you don't have access to this stuff, and you don't get a choice in what's playing. By the time I was old enough to have my own choices in what I was watching, there wasn't really... Star Trek, as weird as that is to say, like, Deep Space Nine ended, and then there was sort of this, and Voyager ended, sorry, because Deep Space Nine ended before Voyager, Voyager ended in, like, I think 2000, and maybe 2000 itself, maybe it was 2000, I don't actually remember what year that ended, but then Enterprise came out, 
Now, I tried to watch Enterprise. I remember being really excited at the time, thinking, oh, this is going to be great. It's a Star Trek, just like the ones I love, but it's modern, so it should have all these cool effects, you know? And this was, remember, this was the era Lord of the Rings was coming out. Star Wars prequels were coming out. Star Trek was back on TV, and, like, a lot of people were pumped. This was a holy shit. Like, for nerds like me, this was a renaissance of TV shows. And most of it, brilliant. Star Wars prequels, for all of their faults, still were a big part of my childhood, and I love them. I think they're amazing. I loved the Clone Wars, I loved all the stuff around it, I loved Lord of the Rings, obviously I read the books as a kid, I watched the movies, I played the video games, I, you name it, I did it. Star Trek, I wanted to be the same, because as a kid I had this nostalgia factor for Star Trek, because even though it wasn't my childhood when Next Generation came on, that was my mum's. It still meant something to me, like it was something I watched as a kid, so I have these memories of being a child watching Star Trek. And Star Trek, for all of its faults, is overwhelmingly a happy story. It is a nostalgic, uplifting story that genuinely leaves you with a feeling of, ah, things aren't so bad. And that's something that not a lot of other sci-fi or fantasy does quite often. They, especially nowadays, love to go for the dark and grimy, and don't get me wrong, I love a dark, grimy character. Who doesn't love to see Vader cutting through? Or, like, I'm a big fan of Warhammer 40,000. Even though the st- the Space Marines are the good guys, they're not far off Vader's level of brutality in the way they do things. They drop in in a metal box that smashes into the ground, leaving a crater. They get out wearing armor so heavy that it's thicker than your even modern tanks. And they use weapons that are the equivalent of artillery. And they just walk through like angels of death. And, you know... That's cool. What can I say? I'm a guy. I enjoy seeing war and cool weapons and flashy lights and explosions. What can I say? I'm nearly 30, but I may as well be a four-year-old boy when that stuff's on screen. I need to see it. But Star Trek is interesting because it lives in that same genre of like all these shows, that vaguely science fiction, fantasy type stuff. And yet it doesn't do a lot of battles, like, the, I would say the vast majority of Star Trek, you don't even see weapons. There are entire episodes where weapons are on, like, the security officer's hip, and that's it. That's the only so- showing we'll have of a weapon. Because it's a lot of talking, it's a lot more ideas, it's a lot more cultural explorations and actual explorations rather than warfare. Which, as a kid, is kind of why, as I got older, I sort of got bored of Star Trek. Like, I wanted to watch, like I said, Enterprise when it came out, but I kind of... I fell out. Admittedly, that was a weird time for me. I wasn't watching much TV, because that was the weird... TV was full of ads, but streaming services didn't really exist yet. So I, for the most part, was watching a lot of, like, YouTube clips, bits and pieces of, like, early Twitch sort of stuff. I mean, I don't really watch Twitch anymore, but in the early days, I loved it. You know... It was a weird era. So when start, and I think that's a big part too of why Enterprise didn't succeed in the way it probably should have, because it did get better. I'll I'll say this now. Like I now love Enterprise. Going back as an adult and rewatching it, the first two seasons there's some good episodes. There's some pretty bad ones, but season three and four, the quality is amazing, and it makes me eternally sad that we never got a seasons five, six, and seven of Enterprise. Because I'm sure it would have only gotten better. Like. Because you watch Next Generation now, and as famous as that show is, and as great as it is, and as much as I love it, it's right up there for me. The first two seasons are pretty shoddy. Like, Next Generation, if you just aired season one and two without the knowledge of the rest of the show on TV today, it would fail. The show would be canned. It would never make it past season one. 
but we live in that era now where if a show doesn't immediately get success, it's canned. So, you know, unfortunately, Enterprise just came out at a bad time where I feel like my generation mostly were in a weird spot. If we were nerds, we were probably playing more video games and watching YouTube and stuff than we were TV. So we weren't really there for it and were the community that should have been watching that. If we weren't watching it, any wonder it failed, because the rest of the world isn't that into it. It didn't have that general appeal they wanted. And then there was a weird... Because Enterprise failed... I say failed. It it got cancelled. It basically failed. But it got cancelled. And then there was a weird gap where I became an adult. I started working. I moved out of home. I lived in share houses. And I won't mess around about it. I was basically an alcoholic for a few years. All I did was work and drink and party. Not healthy... I enjoyed it. I can't say I completely regret it because it was a great experience, but I would never live like that again, nor would I ever suggest anybody do that to themselves. But because of that, I moved away from a lot of that stuff. Like, I still liked Star Wars, and I would say for that era, Star Wars was probably, like, my go-to. And it's still... I still love Star Wars, but at this point, I do tend to lean more towards Star Trek, and I think that's because I'm getting older. I'm thinking about life more. I'm thinking about issues more that... In the past, it was more like, eh... That's boring. Now I'm older and like I've either experienced it or I've met someone who's experienced it. I've lived in the workforce. I know what it feels like to be exploited. I know what it feels like to feel hopeless. I know what it's like to be an alcoholic. I know what it's like to have bad relationships. I also know what it's like to have good relationships. You know, compared to when I first watched Star Trek as a kid, I can now relate to storylines far more than I could back then. And that made rewatching it really interesting for me because a few years ago, oh, you know, I sort of watched it on and off with my ex. I, not my ex, my ex before my ex, but whatever. I tried to show them Star Trek and they did enjoy it, but I didn't really know where to show them Star Trek. And admittedly, I was in a weird headspace and I didn't really watch much with them. I just told them to watch it. And, you know, that led to they didn't really get too into it, but they enjoyed it. And then, you know, I had relationship fallout. I lost my long-term relationship. I had a short-term one that was fun, but it didn't go anywhere. And that led that left me in a weird spot where I am now on disability. You know, because I have autism, as I've said in the thing before. I denied having it. I tried to force my way through life, headbutting my way through life like it was a brick wall. It doesn't work. I'm just telling you right now. You're autistic and you love this stuff and you're trying to force your way through life. Don't do it. If it doesn't feel right, it's not right. You can't force your way through something you don't enjoy and something you can't function in. Eventually, it will catch up with you and mental breakdown is not something I would wish upon anyone. Deal with your problems now. Don't don't put them off for a decade. You know they're there. You're just trying to deny them. But anyway, like, I re-watched it and I have to say that I rewatched it in, what would it have been? Probably late 2020 was when I started rewatching it. And I'll say, the reason I did it was because a few years ago, start, like I was saying earlier, there was a gap. Enterprise failed. There was a movie called, oh God, Insurrection, I think. I'm probably getting that wrong. It was the final Next Generation movie about the Romulans, and it was to do with Picard. And it renownedly was pretty average. Like, I personally actually kind of liked the movie, and I kind of like what they were trying to do with the Romulans. The problem was they didn't do anything past that to really build on it. And then when we did touch on the Romulans again later on in Discovery and Picard and stuff, like, they're different. Well, like, in Picard, they're very different because we're further in the future and they've, like, 
blown up Romulus and done all this other stuff. So that movie really felt pointless because the Remans, as far as I can tell, have never even been seen on screen since that movie. And that just sort of led it to feel like Enterprise failed. This movie came out. It was average. I don't think it did particularly well in the box office. And then kind of nothing. Then we got the J.J. Abrams movies. And I'm going to be honest, I have a love-hate relationship with J.J. Abrams. He does things in a way that gets you excited makes me want to get involved with it but then he tanks them because he has this whole whatever he he builds suspense and doesn't know how to make it pay off and he does it over and over in everything he does and at this point i'm just burnt out on it i i'm not someone who liked the sequel trilogy of star wars i think they were bad that was a jj abrams i'm not someone who particularly liked the jj abrams star trek movies when they came out i watched the first one i think in 2009 And then I watched the one after that where the future Spock meets the past Spock. And that, I don't know, it didn't do much for me. I watched it and I just kind of saw it as they're trying to be like Star Wars, but they're not as good. And, you know, it just didn't work for me. And I still feel like modern Star Trek is struggling with that. They're trying to be Star Wars. They want this big box office flashes on screen wars but it's like that's just not what star trek really is you can do that on occasion and don't get me wrong and i know anyone listening to this who is a big star trek deep space nine fan is like what are you talking about they literally had two seasons that were just a war and the other five seasons are arguably just a build-up and a character development to get to this war and i know and that's my personal favorite series of star trek so i know that but the thing is it's also a bit of an abnormality because you got to admit when you watch Voyager, Next Generation, original series, like wars and depicting the wars was never really the idea of Star Trek. It was meant to be a wars happen mostly off screen, sometimes as skirmishes during the arguments when they flare, but we're trying to find a diplomatic or scientific way out of this. That's always been the Star Trek goal and message is don't fight, don't kill, there's always another way. You know, and that isn't a bad mindset. It doesn't always work, and that's why there are wars. Sometimes there are enemies that just the only language they understand is violence, and you have to come to their level. It doesn't mean you have to live on their level, though, as the Federation shows. You know, at the end of Deep Space Nine, they sign a pact with the Dominion. The Dominion goes back to the Gamma Quadrant. They don't punish them for the war. They don't come in and demand the bombing or, you know... They don't demand reparations from the Dominion. They just say, go home. And that tells all the Dominion citizens and the Changelings exactly who you are as a person. Like, I'm not weak. I'll fight you if I have to, but I don't want to kill you. Go away. And if they lose, well, then it's kind of humiliating and it makes their own civilians think they're weak. And that's a big part of why the Federation's so powerful, because the civilians in the other empires don't really want to kill it because the secret is that the thing in star trek that is so interesting is most citizens in the galaxy want to be in the federation they just don't want to admit it because of cultural reasons like cardassians would never say they want to join the federation but i struggle to see a single cardassian scientist or a single cardassian civilian going into a federation space station or anywhere and seeing the replicators and how many different options there are the free food, the free clothing, the ease of life, like, be real, everybody wants that life. They just don't want to lose, and they don't want to look weak to submit to get that life, so they fight. But that's the thing, they fight, 
But even the leaders in these empires know you can't fight for long and you can't, like, mobilize your population to wipe out the Federation or you may have a civil war. Because the Federation isn't hated by basically anyone. Well, ex except certain individuals, but, like, culturally, nobody really hates it. But, like, yeah, I don't know. J.J. Abrams, I'm not a huge fan of the Kelvin universe, as they're calling it now, which is the J.J. Abrams universe, where things are a bit different and sort of counter... Uh, from what I've seen from fans, from what I understand, it's kind of like Star Wars now. Star Wars has the Legends universe, which is like all the books I grew up watching, well, watching, all the books I grew up reading, the side stories, that expanded universe is considered the Legends universe. Some of it comes up in modern Star Wars, sometimes it doesn't, and when it does come up, it tends to change. But that's because this is an alternate universe. Now, this is the new Star Wars. I'm, and I'll admit, I'm still a much bigger fan of the old expanded universe. But, other than the sequel movies, I do like the new Star Wars. Most of the side stuff, the new TV shows and stuff, is actually pretty good. I'm disappointed by how they treated the old writers and characters so disrespectfully at the start, but I feel like that was mostly a corporate thing that is slowly being phased out. Especially now that J.J. Abrams and Kathleen Kennedy are slowly being pushed aside. But, uh, back to Star Trek... They have a similar thing going on where J.J. Abrams in, I think 2009 was the first one, released the first movie. And from that moment forward, the fan base has, and I think them themselves have basically said there are two universes now. There's, there's the Alpha and Beta canon, but then there's the Alpha universe and there's the J, uh, Kelvin universe, which is the J.J. Abrams one. Now, the way it works, Alpha Canon is everything that you saw on TV pretty much up until the end of Enterprise, I think, is the mostly collectively agreed upon thing. All the movies, all the TV shows, everything you saw is considered Alpha Canon. So if Picard says something on screen in Next Generation, that is Alpha Canon. That is quotable, that is true to that universe, it can be referenced, it can be used. But, much like Star Wars, there was a lot of books. Now, the books are considered to be Beta Canon because... Well, they do things that don't necessarily get confirmed or kept on screen. But because they don't get argued about on screen, like, you know, I'm currently listening to an audiobook where Captain Picard, well, I, th I think he's still Captain, yeah, he's still Captain, he's not Admiral. Captain Picard has had a son with um, the Doctor Crusher. And um, in that story, Worf is on the ship as his first officer, and Esri Dax is on the ship as the counselor, which I thought was cool. Now, that's beta canon, because nothing that was ever filmed with Picard ever really disrupted it, until the new series Picard, but the new series Picard is in the Kelvin universe, because it's post-2009. So, Enterprise and the that, mo that Romulan movie were like the last things in the Alpha canon. Beta canon is kind of extending the Alpha canon, but it's not quite always true. It might not necessarily be a part of it. You can almost see it as extra, might-be-true information. Then there's the Kelvin universe, which is 2009 onwards. It's what Discovery's based in. It's what almost all these shows are in. And that universe is a little different. And it has a bit of a different feel, and it has a bit of a different look. And not necessarily all bad. I actually think some of the things that they've done are great. Like, visually, Discovery is probably one of the prettiest um, Star, uh, Starfleet and Star Trek shows we've ever had. Like, I absolutely love the blue uniforms. It feels like a continuation of Enterprise's almost NASA Air Force-looking blue uniforms. It's like, yeah, this is that. 
but about 70 years later. It's not quite Kirk's era yet. That's going to happen in like five, six years. So we haven't done the uniform and structural changes to the ships. But the Discovery stuff feels like it's a pretty good build-up of that, uniform and ship-wise. Now, my problem comes in with things that they did, like updating the Klingon look, which didn't need to happen, and I now know basically happened because of financial reasons, because of the way Star Trek is owned corporate-wise. I don't want to go into that side of the corporate stuff, because that's just real-life politics and corporate stuff that nobody wants to talk about. It's boring, there's a lot of stupid stuff there. Let's just all agree that it's stupid. Even the people making Star Trek right now probably agree that it's stupid because it gives them all these extra rules they have to work with that shouldn't be there. So even they would not disagree with me when I say the way the corporate side is handled is stupid. So we're going to move back to that. So the Kelvin universe is interesting. I'm so far not the biggest fan, although I will say they're starting to do things I really like. Like Discovery... I've actually told a few people now that if you want to watch Discovery, start with Season 3 and just ignore most of the recap stuff. Because Season 1 and 2 are basically unwatchable. And especially if you're a new fan who doesn't have a big connection to Star Trek, you're not feeling the nostalgia, you're not seeing the uniforms as a, oh, that's cool, it looks like Captain Archer's ship. You're just seeing these people in blue uniforms, and you're like, okay, it's sci-fi. If you're that type of person who doesn't have that connection to it, don't watch the start of Discovery. Because you may never watch Star Trek again if you watch those first two seasons. Now, season three, they decide to do something that I actually really appreciated, where they put, took the entire character set, like, and the ship, to the future. 900 years in the future. So far in the future that any reference to things we might know in the other shows and in the past is irrelevant, because the butterfly effect has now kicked in. There's been such a time gap in between with so many unknowns that... You just kind of have to discount most of your knowledge and just appreciate the nostalgia. Which meant when I saw an Andorian on screen working with an Orion, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. If they had done that in the 22nd or the 25th century in the shows, I would have been annoyed. Because Andorians are a founding federation member, Orions are mostly like syndicate criminals or pirates. But we've got 900 years in the future. I don't know what the hell's happened in the last 500 unaccounted for years. The Andorians and Orions are signing up. Who knows? If you looked back at Earth history 900 years ago and told me that one day Australia, people from the land of Australia, the lands of Britain and the lands of America would be in alliance. I mean, think back 900 years ago. Australia was full of Aboriginals. England hadn't been formed as a nation yet. And the United States was a vague collection of tribes that hadn't, didn't really have any kind of continental identity. You know, try looking at that and then saying what's going to happen in the future. Like, you can't predict that. So when they did it in Star Trek and said, we're going 900 years in the future, I was like, you know what? That's a risky move, but I actually really, really appreciated it. And I think it's worked. Because even I, as someone who hated Discovery, I personally told my friends, don't watch Discovery. If you like Star Trek, don't watch it, because you won't like Star Trek afterwards. Now I tell them, watch it from Season 3. Because Season 3 and 4 are actually much higher quality. Probably because the actors are getting more comfortable in their role, so like all the other shows, by season three-ish, things start getting better. But also because the writers have moved forward. They've moved out of that weird, I'm in between Kirk and all these other timelines, and nothing quite looks right, nothing's working the way it should with the established storylines. They've just gone forward. Great move. I love it. I personally hope they continue that. I actually really enjoy that. I would like to see more spin-off stuff in this period, in this futuristic period with this new tech. It's awesome. But, 
Then, then there's also the other side shows, like there's some animated stuff, like Lower Decks, which is, I would recommend to anybody, even if you don't like Star Trek, I would say you should watch Lower Decks, because it is just fun. It is so funny. It takes the comedy aspect of, um, of Star Trek, and a bit of the nostalgia, and just turns it up to 11. It's one of the funniest series I think I've seen in a long time, and I'm honestly surprised by how much I enjoyed it. <laughs> it was, it was brilliant. I haven't watched Prodigy yet, which is the other one that's the other animated series. I know they've got Catherine Janeway back. They've even got the um, Kate Mulgrew, I think her name is, the voice actress for, well, the lady that did play Catherine Janeway. She's back voicing her own character again, which, great. I love that. There's currently rumors floating around that Captain Sisko might come back. Personally, I'm pumped, but I don't know if it'll happen because Avery Brooks has kind of said I'm done with Star Trek, but we'll see. You know, we've got, obviously, Picard with Patrick Stewart's back, so nostalgia is pretty high right now. But so is the disappointment, because Star Trek feels different. Because this is the big why I like old Trek, and why I feel a bit of a connection to it, is because, well, I have the personal nostalgia, obviously, from being a kid and watching it with my mum, so when I watch Next Generation, it makes me feel like I'm five years old again and everything's well in life, everything's good. The episodes leave you feeling like, yep, the world's not so bad. And it just generally makes you feel better. It's a good show to watch, particularly when you're feeling down or whatever. Like, it makes you feel better. And not many shows I can say that for. But there's also, you know, I liked that era for the hopeful stuff and the nostalgia. But I just found as well, it was just more interesting. They would tackle realistic topics, whereas the new show is just so stuck in this like yes we have great cgi but i feel like there's some scenes where it's like five minutes of just explosions and bright lights and this drive going off and that drive and i'm like i feel like we're missing a big part of star trek is the characters the tech is cool and we love looking at the tech we love talking about it, but a big part of star trek and why it was successful is the characters the characters grow the characters are relatable everyone who is anyone no matter where they are in life if you watched all of star trek We'll find a character somewhere that they relate to absolutely. There's a couple for me. You know, I'll just say, I really feel being autistic, I can relate a lot to Data. I can relate to this being very close to being so-called normal and like everyone else, but just not quite. Not quite understanding. Like Early Data is a bit weird. He's a bit over the top in Season 1 and 2 with his not knowing how to talk. But I'd say Season 4 and 5 Data when you're trying to understand humanity and become more like them and be a better person without really understanding what humanity is, is, as an autistic person, something that I very much can relate to. I look and act and can dress like a regular human, but I will never respond to situations the same way other people will. I will always have a different line of thought because I am different. That's not necessarily bad, but it makes it hard. And that makes watching these data-centric episodes when he's like, I don't understand, I, I made a joke, I did exactly what you do, what, why did no one laugh, why am I in trouble now? Like, I feel that, I feel that on such a personal level, that it makes me love data. Everything data's in, I want to watch. Everything about data, I want to know more, because I love data. Another character I can relate to is uh, the Doctor, well actually... I've said this before, but the Doctors in most of the shows are weirdly kind of my favorite character of most series. In Enterprise, I love Dr. Phlox. I don't necessarily relate to him, but I love him. I love the mad scientist role. I think that's great. I think making the medical officer in that show a mad scientist that kind of has a 
menagerie, I guess you'd call it, of just strange creatures that he's always milking for this and getting a claw from that creature for that because it has this medical effect. Like, he feels to me like one of those doctors who retires in his 40s and goes to live on a commune somewhere with a small community and cures everyone with these weird things that he makes in his, like, home lab. You know, that's... And it makes him fun. You know, Dr. Crusher is obviously, you know, she's a much older lady now, but I'm someone who happens to really like redheads. She's a very attractive woman, especially when she's in Next Generation. I kind of can't help but love everything she does. And, you know, also, she is the stereotype mother character. So, you know, how can you not like that? She's probably one of the most compassionate characters that's ever existed in Star Trek. To a fault. To the point that most of the time I get annoyed with her because she's so compassionate and naive about people that she endangers herself all the time to help others. And, you know, you can't hate her for that. But I do feel like I probably, if I was the captain, would not be choosing her as my medical officer for that reason. You know, but the other character I really love is um the doctor the holographic doctor who doesn't technically have a name he's just emergency medical program the doctor i think at one point he goes by schmolz one point he goes by another german name in like one episode but he never keeps them he's just the doctor but i like him for much the same reason i like data he is a hologram who is trying who is becoming self-aware more and more as the show goes on he was never meant to run this long his program was designed to be in, a, in an emergency, you have a holographic doctor. But he ends up running for seven years. He learns, he gets an appreciation for music, he becomes a fully rounded person. And multiple times, the idea of his rights, is he a full person or not, comes up. Does he have the right to refuse an order as a program? Because is a program a person? And I love these little things. And there's a lot of, like, he's a very sarcastic man. I, while I'm autistic, I also have a hell of a sense of humor. I love to laugh. And I love dark humor and sarcastic humor. They're my favorites. And I do them pretty well because I'm autistic. I'm pretty flat-faced. Sarcasm comes naturally to me. So when the Doctor is just forever being sarcastic, I can't help it. I crack up every time he's on screen. He's one of my favorite people. <laughs> oh, but like, yeah... Everyone has someone. Like, for me, I relate to those types of characters, even to a point, Spock. Not not as much, because Spock is more... He forces himself to be different because he's a Vulcan, and that's what Vulcans do. They suppress themselves, their true selves to become something else. I can't really relate to that, but I can sort of relate to, you know, as an autistic person, anyone with autism will tell you this, like, we're all fake. It, not we're all fake, but like in public, most of the time we learn to deal with public by faking smiles when we're not feeling happy. We do things, we learn these social norms and behaviors that people do, and we do them because it's expected of us. We don't feel that. It's pointless. I don't understand them. At this point, I basically don't do them anymore because it's not really me, and I don't see a point in being anything but myself anymore. But like, I get it. I don't know. So for me, like, I love Star Trek overall. I love the old stuff. I am someone who, because of when I was born, you would think I'd be a fan of the newer Star Trek stuff, but I'm sort of not. I actually like that middle generation. Because, see, that's the thing with Star Trek is there's a few different rounds of fans. Like, the old, the older fans. Like, my mom would have arguments with people who are a little bit older than her, like maybe my uncle on my other side, who's like 10 years older than her. 
you know, and he was an original Star Trek fan. A lot of people are, and they're like, Kirk's the only captain. I love the original uniforms. Next Generation, stupid. They changed the uniforms. And then they sort of came around. By the time of Voyager, I feel like most of those original series fans were kind of like, all right, it's not so bad. I like this stuff. You know, and then obviously there's the next generation. There's Because, you know, original Star Trek was from the 60s. So you've got these people that are a bit older that were adults or teenagers during the 60s and 70s that love that era. Then you've got people like my mum, who is a 70s child. Who Well, she's an 80s child born in the 70s. But, you know, she grew up with Next Generation. So Picard is her go-to captain. She loves Voyager in particular. She doesn't love Deep Space Nine as much. Maybe that's just because I'm a guy. I like explosions and war stuff. So a lot of Deep Space Nine I like. Maybe it's Cisco. I've always found Cisco is my favorite of the captains. He's weird. He's sometimes a little bit crazy, but I feel like of all the captains, he's the one I would trust with my life and the situation the most. Because he'll do what needs to be done, and I know that even if I died in the line of duty with Cisco in charge, the damn job would get done. I wouldn't be dying in vain because Cisco would have a plan. The others all mean well, but sometimes they're naive when it comes to hard situations like warfare. Like One of the oldest questions is always, what would the other captains have done in Deep Space Nine? Yeah, I'll leave that to you. But, um, yeah, anyway, this has been a bit of an ongoing me and what I plan to do. So we'll go back to the show. So Federation Radio, a Star Trek podcast, is something I wanted to do just to show appreciation. So, I'll, you know, I'll add this. If you would like to email the show, I have now made a new Gmail account called Federation Radio Star Trek. That is all one word, no capitals, no spaces. Federation Radio Star Trek at gmail.com. Feel free to send me some emails. I'm going to start adding that email in as something I put in every episode. The idea is you guys can send in anything you want, really. If I cover one of your favorite episodes or you have a particular connection to a character or an experience in that, let me know. I'm interested. I want to hear your personal stories. And if I get enough of them, I'm more than happy to do another one of these like bonus episodes at some point covering some of the more interesting experiences, maybe reading out some of the cool ones, you know, or Q&A stuff. If you want to ask me personal questions or Star Trek questions, feel free to email me. And, you know, at some point, once I get enough stuff, I will happily do another one of these episodes going over some answers and all that stuff. But anyway, we're going to continue with Star Trek, the original series for now for now until we finish it and then we're going to do the movie so what this is my future plan i'm going to try and give you a little rundown on what's happening and what i plan so i'm going to keep trying to do one episode a week for a few more weeks although i have an idea and this is one of the first things you can email me about i'll also add this on the next episode of the show so that if you don't watch the extra stuff or watch this far into the podcast you can um ask me then so feel free to email me in that stuff but i'm planning to watch Uh, The original series, the movies, Next Generation, the Next Generation movies, movies. I'm probably going to watch straight after Next Generation, even though they go forward in time a little bit, just because I feel like it'd be good to get all the Picard stuff from that era done at once. And then we'll go back and we'll do probably Deep Space Nine, I would say, next, because Deep Space Nine, I think, more closely connects to Next Generation and is more of a continuation Especially because, spoilers, Worf comes over when Next Generation ends. He actually goes on to Deep Space Nine, so there's that direct connection to that show. So we'll watch that, episode by episode. Then we're going to do Voyager. 
because I love Voyager. Voyager's a weird, it's kind of in a bubble on its own because it doesn't, because of the situation of the ship being in the Delta Quadrant, there's very little connection to all the Alpha Quadrant stuff or even Gamma Quadrant stuff that we get to know on the other shows. So it's fun because it's a more unique exploration show and it's a little desperation to it because everyone's more important. But uh, we're going to do that. Then we'll do the, I'm trying to think, is if we do those movies, we'll end with the Romulan movie, then go back to Deep Space Nine. So it'd be, after that, we'll do Enterprise, because, again, I love Enterprise. Then we are, as much as I said I'm not a big fan of it, I fully intend to cover them, and cover the JJ stuff. So we're going to rewatch. For me, it'll be the second time I've ever watched them, because I'll admit, the JJ Abrams movies, I watched them once when they came out. I'm not even sure I watched them all. I watched the first two. I'm not certain if there's more or if I watch them, but we're going to go back. If I haven't seen them, we're going to watch them. If I have seen them, it'll probably be the first time I've ever gone back to relook at them. Maybe now that I'm older, I'll feel a little differently. Uh, then we're going to watch... Oh, I don't know which one exactly we'll do next and what order we'll do the JJ stuff, but I'll just list them off, and this isn't exactly the order we'll do it in, because this is so far away. This is probably, well, more than a year or two away in this show's run. It will do... Discovery, we're going to do the, well, the new show that's coming out now with Captain Pike, The um, Strange New World, I intend to cover that, I intend to cover you know, all of it, Lower Decks, Prodigy, anything else that comes out between now and me getting to that point, I will also cover, and if there's new stuff past that, which there surely will be, I'll cover that too. Because I want to give it all a fair... In this show, I'm trying to give you my opinion, but also a fair rewatch. Because there's some episodes that I don't like throughout all the series, even in the ones I love and praise the most. There are episodes in them that when I rewatch it, I just go, Ugh, next, I can't be bothered with this one. But I want to take the time in those episodes in this show to actually watch them, to take notes, to look at them. Because when you actually analyze them a little deeper, some of these episodes, even though I don't find them that entertaining on a rewatch, are really good episodes. They may be really well written, and uh, let's be real, some of them are just going to be trash. There are some episodes that I don't think any actor or writer could even defend and would just say, these are crap. I regret making them, you know, and there's going to be some we watch that I'm going to have that feeling. I'm going to say, you know what, I skip this every time I watch it, and I'm going to continue to do so, and I might even suggest you do. But I will still give them a fair go. I will write notes. I will watch them. I'll see what references are in there. We'll, we'll see what happens. The hope is maybe I'll come around to them. And also, through emails, if I throw shade on an episode you really like, I want you to email me. If you love it, I want you to defend it. Take that as a challenge. This show is my opinion. This is not definitive. Episodes I don't like could be your favorite. I don't know. I don't like it. I'd be very interested in hearing why you like some of these. And vice versa. There might be episodes that I'm going to have extra long episodes about and be like, hey, I love this episode, so we're going to cover it. I want to go into every detail. And other people might get 20 minutes into the podcast and go, I hate this episode. Why did you choose this episode to make a long one for? I hate this. Email me. Tell me you hate it. Ask me why I did it. You know, question my beliefs. Because I'm all for my beliefs being questioned. I think the easiest way to solidify beliefs is to question them. Because if you don't have an answer for them, then maybe you need to think deeper about it. But anyway, I think I've ranted and been incoherent more than long enough now. I've given you some basic facts, probably a lot of rambling, and I'm glad that you were here for all of it. Oh, and also, the next episode, I'm going to release this today. I know ordinarily the podcast comes out on a Wednesday. I'm in Australia, by the way. 
um, in Melbourne time, if you want to look at the time zones, because I know it's probably different for a lot of you out of Australia, but for me, I release them on Wednesdays. What I would like to do in future, and what I've been trying to do, is to have them ready on Tuesday night so that they go up first thing Wednesday morning. The last two weeks I've been a bit busy and had a lot of stuff going on, so I've been filming them on Wednesday. Like, t right now, it is... Here, let's date this. It is Wednesday... Is 2:55 p.m. and I am just now doing this. I still need to slap this together and actually make it a file to put online. And I haven't even watched the next episode of the original series yet to even start taking notes to make the video for it. I'm gonna have to do that probably tonight. Worst case scenario, depending how I feel, I'll do it first thing tomorrow morning. Next week, I will do my best to have it up. You know, have it done by Tuesday night. But you know, I will endeavor to get it done. So stick with me, folks. This is going to be a long journey, I predict at least three years, or at least two years, depending how we go. So that's all for now, thanks for coming by, and I'll see you all in the next episode.